I, I am so honored that my parents are here for the summer, which I don't think that has ever happened before. But in the spring, um, they called and said, we're thinking about coming down to see you. We, a lot of times, go there. That's the northwest corner of Iowa, almost to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, in fact, that, that area is where we, we hail from. <laughs> Before we came here in the 50s, my parents actually, my dad actually responded to uh, the call of the Lord through um, Jerry Merrill's, Pastor Darrell's mom's dad, who was the president of the college then. It was Russell Mead, Dr. Russell Mead. And my dad and Doc, we used to call him Doc, uh, met and he invited my dad to Chicago. So my, my parents kind of broke away from the group and went to the big city. And so I was pretty much raised in the city. So now to go back, it's like, no, just kidding. <laughs> I'd like my dad to come and just do a greeting first because we're going to kind of tag team tonight. Um, and I, I would love for him to share the word too. Um, because he's an incredible Bible teacher. He taught for 23 years here in the Bible school. And um, so I'd love for him to share. So we're going to take team, but we'll kind of do all our greetings up front here. Dad, if you'd come. <laughs> all right. Thank you, thank you, Leah. And good evening, everyone. It is a good evening, isn't it? Great to be in the house of God with God's people. Well, Leanne, as you might know, is uh, our favorite daughter. I'm the only one. <laughs> <laughs> but the joy of our lives, and truly a gift from God, not only to, uh, to this church, but first to us. Mary Lou, my wife, her mother, calls her her medicine girl. You know where that comes from? It comes from the scripture. Where, um, you know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And a merry heart makes good like a medicine. And she went around the house singing and she made our hearts happy. And so she's our medicine girl. <laughs> oh, we thank the Lord for our family. Uh, the oldest, Orlin in Roma, Texas with his family. We'll be going there for the wedding next week, next weekend of our youngest grandson. Anthony's being married in San Antonio. And I'm gonna take Leanne and the, the twins away from you for the weekend because, well, it's been seven years since we were there, was it, together last time. So don't you think it's time for the cousins to get together? <laughs> All right, after seven years, uh, Nick and Nessa will be with their five cousins in Texas. And um, yes, thank you, Pastor Merrill, for the invitation to share this time with you and with Leanne. It has been a blessing to our family it was the call that we received from Chicago Bible College, now Christian Life College, that brought us here to the city. And many people were fleeing the city at that time, but we moved to the city and found it to be a great blessing for our family. We lived first in Edgewater area near Philadelphia Church, and then for 20 years in the Lakeview neighborhood. And uh, Leanne, Orlin, John, all graduated from Lane Technical High School. Leanne was the first of the class of girls that attended that high school. When it was built, it was accommodating 8,000 boys. Well, they decided they needed to let girls in by recommendation from their pr principal. And uh, she received a recommendation, one of 200 girls with thousands of guys. <laughs> but talk about the work of God and ordering our lives. They had a system for college prep education which required 
that students declare a major going into high school. And she took some summer classes before she even went as a freshman, and her major was, one guess, music, yes. There were about four or five majors. Music was one of them, and what a blessing. So we're thankful for, to God for the way he's led us all these years. And now, Leanne, come share your heart, something special from the Word of God to you and then to us. Thank you, Dad. Yeah, um, first class of girls, and they did have the, it was four majors, and then uh, I was honored to go. I wasn't really excited about the option of the high, other local high school, and um, so put my application in, and uh, it was received. Here's the four majors. Science, math. Didn't work for me. Pre-engineering. Mind you, this is a guy's school. <laughs> no, not for me. Art. Eh, maybe. And music. So that's the four choices. <laughs> so it was kind of like, uh, yeah, this is easy. <laughs> And that was really the Lord, too, because then as things went on even through high school, um, taking classes that actually are the level of two years of college, um, the church we were at then needed a choir director, so I was directing choir at 16. And that was the Lord, because that wouldn't have happened otherwise. So God directs our paths. And actually, that's kind of what I want to talk about, too. Um, finding the place... Of, of peace and rest and abiding. Do you feel like you need that sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. I need that place where I can run and um, just breathe deep, be refreshed, and know that it's a safe, secure place. My life verse, I really like this whole series. It's kind of neat. When Pastor Darrell asked what our life's verses were, he went around the staff uh, at, at our staff meeting and on this big conference table. And so he asked me, and I'm like, oh, there's so many. But I have to go to Psalm 91, so that's where we're going to go. When I was 10 years old, <clears throat> um, my, my dad was pastoring in the city of Chicago as well as teaching at the college at the time. And uh, my Sunday school teacher put a challenge out to us kids. And I was 10, and she said, whoever memorizes Psalm 91, the first person to do it, I will take downtown. Well, mind you, in the city of Chicago, how many of you actually have hung out or you lived in Chicago? Anybody? Okay. Then you know what I'm talking about. Those of you that don't, let me just tell you real quick. You can live in the city of Chicago and live in a neighborhood and you could just stay there all your life and never go to another part of the city because each neighborhood is pretty much self-sufficient. It has the grocery stores, department stores, everything you need. So growing up in the city right around the college, we had pretty much everything we needed. And going downtown was like, you know, big deal. Because we didn't go downtown, you know. <laughs> uh, it was just, that was, whoa. That's a crazy place. You know, you don't know what's going on. So the idea of the winner gets to go downtown was like, man, I am going to do this. I'm going downtown. And we get to go on top of the big, biggest building in Chicago at that time, which was, no, I was 10. Prudential building. <laughs> right. You get on town now, it's like, here's the Prudential. And here's. <laughs> and and I, Nick and I went down a couple weeks ago, just took the train down. And, and I said, yeah, that was the big deal when I was a kid. And so here's the verse. Here's the, I'm just going to read through the, the chapter for you. And this is what I memorized. I memorized it in King James, but I'm going to read from the New Living. So some of the terminology is a little bit easier to understand. But here we go. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. 
This I declare of the Lord. He alone is my refuge and my place of safety. He is my God and I am trusting him. For he will rescue me, he'll rescue us from every trap. He'll protect you from the fatal plague. He will shield you with his wings. He'll shelter you with his feathers. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of night, nor the fear of day, the dangers of the day, nor the dread of the plague that stalks by darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand will fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. But you will see it with your eyes. You'll see how the wicked are punished. So it doesn't touch you. You'll just see it with your eyes. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you, no plague will come near your dwelling. For he orders his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands. They will keep you from striking your foot on a stone. You will trample down lions and poisonous snakes. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. They will call on me. We just sang it tonight. Call up on me and I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. I will satisfy them with long life and give them my salvation. Those 16 verses um, were a, a, a bite, a big chew to memorize. Um, but they have served me well all these years. So when, when things rise up, it's like he who dwells in the secret place. It's that first verse, of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So let's look at that a little bit. Um, I'm going to pop back and forth through some scriptures and some sections here. But that first verse is really our premise, and that's, that's the key. And if we would say what is the one verse, it would be that one. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells. One translation said, it's the message, which is actually a paraphrase, para meaning like a helper, aid. It's not a translation, it's just an aid. <clears throat> so the actual translations um, are a little bit different than a paraphrase. And, the, and that paraphrase says, stay the night. He who stays the night. And I'm thinking, you know, it's so much more than that. He who dwells, who lives, he who hangs out in the secret place of the Most High. And that's special. There's a secret place that God is calling us to. And it's at that place where we are called to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I was thinking about this. If, if you're under somebody's shadow, they're pretty close. You can't be under somebody's shadow way over there. We're going to abide under the shadow. That means he's, he's covering us. And later on in, in the scriptures, we read it. He'll cover you with his feathers. That's such a gentle approach. With his feathers under his wings, shalt thou trust. And then if, if that's just a little too soft, let's say, well, you know, wings can break, whatever. You can fall through the feathers. And it says, and his truth shall be the shield and buckler. So you've got the strength of the Lord, but you've got it covered with feathers and wings. It's, it's such a comfortable place to be if you dare to get close enough to be comfortable to get to know him. And for me, that's what he's called me to do and to be. Since I was real little, way even before this, I remember I was, um, this is whoa, maybe I was eight. And my friend that lived down the street came from a very, very difficult home, but had a soft heart for God. So she would hang out at our house a lot. Her name was Barb. And so Barb and I would go down to the nursery and play church. That's what we played. We didn't play house. We played church. So we'd have the Bible up and have the songbook and oh, you know, and we'd preach and all that kind of stuff. Well, we pulled out the songbook, went to page 51, and we started singing, Search me, O God, and know my heart today. 
Try me, O Savior, know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. So we're singing at that young age and we're sobbing. (laughs) I think about it now. I'm not sure what those great sins were (laughs) at eight years old, but you know what it is. It's it's the power of the Holy Spirit bearing witness to yours. Because in Psalm, I think it's Psalm 27, the the Spirit of the Lord has the the candle of man is the Spirit of the Lord. He calls us, he draws us. It's just, he woos us and he calls us. And here we are just sobbing away. You know, and so at a very early age, I just, I, I just got to know the presence of Jesus. And that was his grace. You know, there wasn't anything in particular except we, as kids, made ourselves available to the Lord. So that was eight. And then at 10, I'm memorizing this. And all through then high school, just um, called on to stand up for Christ. Put in some very interesting situations. But those who dwell, abide, hang out in the presence of the Almighty, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, come close. That's the premise of this whole thing. So that's my challenge. We're going to walk through a few things, but that's my challenge is, will, will you come and abide? And live, not stay the night (laughs) only, but live there in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, the second verse is a response. It's like, here's the statement. He who does this, you're going to stay under the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2 says, I declare the Lord. He alone is my refuge and my place of safety. He is my God, and I'm trusting him. Okay, so here's the premise, and I'm going to make a stand. I'm going to declare this about that premise. Yes, he's my God, he's my refuge, and I will stay there. Now, for those who choose that, if you choose that, here's some things. He saves you from stuff. We already read it, but I'll I'll just kind of go through. He saves you from stuff. He covers you. He protects you. He conquers our fears at night and during the day. He covers us from, and he protects us from the destruction of the evil one. You're going to notice it all around you, but it's not going to come near you. Now, here's the thing. Verse 9 says, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, then it goes on, all these things won't come to, to you. Which tells me this, we have a choice. In this day and age, and I hear it all the time, It's my choice. It's my right. It's my choice. It's not yours, Mom. It's my choice. And God's saying that. You got a choice. It's your choice. If you make the Lord your refuge, He will save you, cover you, protect you. What He has agreed to do is solid. It's there. He's the shield and buckler. He's the firm one. The conditional part is not on his end. It's on our end. If you will choose to abide, all this is yours. You could choose not to. This is still going to be there. But it's not going to be God's fault because he's made the way. He's made the provision. So verse 9 is just huge. That whole conditional thing. Tonight I'm going to ask you now, and I'll ask you again later, will you make him your most high habitation, your most high place you live? Will you choose to do that? He'll guard you in all your ways if you do that. Verse 14 is interesting. God's talking here. And... um, In the New Living, it says, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. If you go to King James, it says, and he's he's talking about us, because he loves me. Because that one right there, 
Because that one right there loves me. I will rescue him and protect him. Right there, that one right there. Because, because he loves me. That's the way the King James says it. Because, because Elena loves me. I'm going to protect her. I'll be with her. You know? Because Laura and Claire, yeah, they, they love me. Because they love me. So what does that indicate? That indicates more than just, hey, can I come hang out at your place, God? All right, we'll just kind of, we'll just do stuff. <laughs> we'll kind of hang. It's more than that. It's not just abiding and hanging out. He says, because they love me. So there's something going on when we're hanging out. We are in relationship here. Because they love me, because you love me, these things are yours. So we've got relationship in this abiding. And he said, and if you acknowledge my name, and that acknowledgement basically is accepting or admitting the existence of the truth. Will I acknowledge him? Will I accept the fact that he really is God Almighty? Will I accept it and acknowledge it and declare that it's really true? For those who love me and acknowledge me. So there's some stuff going on in this here. We got to get a hold on, and I better wrap it up so Dad can have some time. Um, and he said, "In that person, when he calls on me, I'm going to answer him. When we call on him, he'll answer him. The Lord will be with us. The Lord will deliver us. The Lord will satisfy us with long life." I'm beginning to like that idea didn't think about it a whole lot in the past. But I'm kind of liking the idea of a long life. <laughs> Looking at my parents and they're doing great. We can all just put our numbers on how old do you think they are in the winter at the end. No, just kidding. <laughs> they're doing great. And I'm thinking this long life thing is kind of cool. Yeah, I think, Lord, hmm, I, I think I'd like that. And then he said, I'll give him, satisfy him with long life and show him my salvation. And I'm thinking here of Jesus Christ when, when Scripture tells us that he has become our salvation. We get to see Jesus. So not only does he continually show his salvation to us and that he continually saves us from various things, but he is our salvation. We get to see him. Long life, he'll satisfy us and we get to see him. That's amazing. Uh, kind of a supportive verse for this. I, I think of Jeremiah 29, uh, 11 and 12. Um, when it says here back in 91, he'll call on, we'll call on him and he'll answer us. A lot of people don't go for Jeremiah 12, 11, uh, 29, 12 very often. We hear 11 a lot, but here's 12. In the days when you pray, Pastor talked about prayer last week. When you pray, I will listen. If you look for me in earnest, you will find me when you seek me. He's not playing hide and go seek like, uh -huh, you missed me. <laughs> Try again. That's not God. You will find me. Sometimes he doesn't answer right away because how, how intent are you? Because he says, seek with earnest. I will press in. I'm serious about this relationship with you. Because he says, when you do that, you will find him. Then let's look at 11. Because I know the plans that I have for you. They are good. They're not plans of disaster, but they're plans to give you a future and a hope. And then we go to 12. Man, I'm going to close my little supportive verse here with Zechariah 4, 6. Man, he's got plans for us. In this setting of Zechariah 4, 6, um, the temple was being rebuilt and Zerubbabel was given the job. He was kind of like the, um, the construction foreman. He was supposed to get the job done. Um, 
Now, in that day, Haggai and Zechariah were the two prophets, so they were kind of the overseers and gave the, the moral support and the spiritual insight and let's go do it. But, but Zerubbabel was the guy that had to get it done. He was actually the guy that had to get, to get it done. So Zechariah comes with some insight from the Lord to Zerubbabel and the people. And he said, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel, and I'm going to say to you. This is what the Lord says to you. It is not by force, nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. <laughs> wow. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will flatten out before him. Then Zerubbabel will set the final stone of the temple in place, and the people will shout, May God bless it. May God bless it. I mean, this is, it's not by our force or our might. It's about abiding. You know, it's by, by the spirit of the Lord. So if you want powerful things to happen and God to come through, we just say, bless it, God. Bless the work of your hands in my life. Bless the work of my hands that you call me to do. Bless it, bless it, bless it. Because it's not by our might. It's not by force. We go do it. It's not by our might, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord. And you find your rest in that by abiding. So you got to choose. Well, you don't have to. <laughs> I beg of you, please. <laughs> choose. If you will, those who choose to abide under the shadow of the Almighty will, will stay in his covering. And he'll be the one that fights the battle. It'll be by the Spirit of the Lord that things take place. And that things change and move and that protection is there and that deliverance and that strength and that power and that might. Because we've found the place to rest. We have found the place to rest. So my appeal to you tonight is that you would choose to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Dad. <laughs> Thanks. We say thank you to Leanne for sharing her heart from the words. How rich, how good. It's like seed planted deep in your soul, takes root, brings forth fruit. So it's really the fruit of a life that's been lived in the Word. Just briefly, two verses from Proverbs, the third chapter. And uh, I read, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. What a wonderful promise. He will direct your path. I think every one of us at some time or another have felt the need for leading along life's pathway. Anybody acknowledge I've needed the Lord's direction in my life? Yes, I think all of us. The promise is, with some condition, as we read, the promise is he shall direct your path. But with these two prerequisites found in verses 5 and 6, two key words and phrases. And the first is trust. In the Lord. Trust in the Lord. It sounds so simple, but it's sometimes hard to do, isn't it? Lean not onto your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. I, I, I capitalize that in my own heart and mind. I can't rest in my own understanding of my situation and possible outcomes. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't seek understanding and wisdom, 
But it's not our own. But it's his perspective, his wisdom, and the understanding that he gives to us as we trust in the Lord. And that word is a very simple one. It suggests to us, as Leanne said, to rest in the Lord. Another word might be rely upon the Lord. Rely fully upon him. It, uh, it has the idea of leaning because the opposite was not lean on your own understanding. Instead, lean, trust, rely upon the Lord. Like someone would lean on a shepherd's staff. Now, again, it's not that we shouldn't seek out an understanding of our life situations, but we can't lean fully, put our whole weight on our own understanding of things because our understanding is complete, incomplete. But God knows all things. We only know some things. And what we don't know might be the missing middle, the most important thing of all. And God knows that. And so what we do is we rely on his power, his wisdom, because he is trustworthy. That's so important to know. You can trust him because he's trustworthy. He has proven himself worthy of your full trust not leaning on your own or not relying on your finite understanding. Uh, the scripture tells us that, uh, that God's ways are higher than our ways. And so we have to learn to trust in him because he knows what we don't know. He knows the end from the beginning. Isn't that good? And so he can lead us in the right way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. A matter of the heart. Some people have a very difficult time getting past their own thinking. To trust in the Lord. And trusting simply means I have to let go of something to lay hold of something. And if I'm going to receive direction from the Lord, I have to surrender some of my own thinking as to how it ought to be. And that's very difficult, especially when we seek as young people growing up our own path in life, some kind of or measure of independence from our parents and others who are adults and might feel a responsibility toward us. The second verse, another key word and phrase, in all your ways acknowledge him. Leanne spoke briefly about acknowledging the Lord. And notice right in the middle of the word, K-N-O-W, acknowledge. Take knowledge of the Lord for who he is. To acknowledge the Lord means I make room for him in my life planning, in all of my ways, my thinking. Not just some things. Um, I felt this growing up that, well, <clears throat> I can trust the Lord for my eternal salvation. I've heard Pastor Merrill preach about being saved, you see, and so I know I can't save myself, and so I'll trust the Lord for my eternal salvation. But from here to there, there's a lot of ground to cover, and I want to choose my own path. There's some things I want to do in life, whether they're in God's plan for my life or not. His larger plan, based on his love for us, which seeks our best and so, well, I reserve to myself some choices. I'll choose my, let's say, my life partner. That's an area of my life that I reserve to myself. I don't want God meddling in my private business. 
So uh, sometimes our romantic inclinations are our own and we don't even submit them to the Lord and let him into our lives in that area where he can make his good, perfect will and purpose known to us. I appreciate the fact that um, the Lord led us, Mary Lou and I, together in some very special ways. And each of us had a choice, an option. My wife Mary Lou shared some of this with our grandchildren, Nick and Ness. I mean, she was working, do you mind my saying a little bit about it, Mary Lou? She's very trusting. (laughs) She was working in Shreveport, Louisiana that summer when I was in Minnesota working in Minneapolis trying to get some money to go to Bible school. And um, we had known each other for some time and had some casual dates. But she met a tall young man down in Shreveport and I am not tall. (laughs) And he had ambitions and plans. In fact, he was building his own home in That whole idea is very appealing to a young woman, 19 years of age. But I believe deep in her heart as well as in my heart, we wanted what was God's best for our lives. Her parents came to visit her at a very crucial point in that relationship. They went to visit a little church within walking distance of where they were staying. And that night, there was a call for a new commitment to Christ. There were some spirit-filled, spirit-led people who spoke into our life. Now was the time to make a decision, a life-changing decision. And I so appreciate that it was in her heart to respond and say yes. She returned with her parents. I was there waiting. Ah, and the rest is history. Oh, by the way, in that interim, I found I had an option too. But, uh, you know, the Lord doesn't force his will upon us as if we have no choice, but we choose for ourselves what he chooses for us. We choose. And if we leave the choice to him, he gives to us the best. And I, looking back over my life, cannot think of anyone, and I haven't tried to make this a mental exercise of any particular consequence, but just in in, in brief, casual reflection, I cannot think of anyone that I would have rather married or that I could have served the Lord with any more, with many more blessing. To be a better mother to our children. And so that has been my experience. The Lord has led in that, among other things. In all your ways acknowledge Him, personally, prayerfully, as well as before others. And He will direct your paths. I was amazed to discover that that word is active, it's not passive. He will, of course, expresses his will, but direct your path is very active. By that I mean not passive. It's not like he kind of points the way. It means that he gets involved with us in our life choices. He intervenes. I found, I found some other verses that I will refer to in just a moment. He will direct your path. Intervene. Make the path straight. The crooked places straight. He will bring down the mountains and raise up the valleys. I believe God can do that. He can make a way where there seems no way. And he can bring you to what Leanne has already referred to in Jeremiah 29, 11, a future with hope, a future with hope. 
So these last verses kind of correlate with what Leanne has said as well as what we read from Proverbs 3, a passage that many of you have placed on graduation cards congratulating the graduate on high school or college. These words complement them. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean that God's giving you a blank check. You can wish, you know, like uh, Aladdin's lamp, rub it. Uh, It's not a magic formula, an abacadabra type thing. Delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Because when you delight on him, he will put within your heart those kinds of desires that he can be pleased to fulfill. The desires of your heart will be the right thing for you when you delight in him. And your life is God-centered rather than self-centered. And everyone said... Amen. Just delight in the Lord. And your heart will be toward him so that God can give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way. Another complimentary word. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. And here shows how God can actively get involved in your life. He will do it. It's not that God stands back and said, okay, this is the path, now you walk with it. When you commit your way to the Lord, he is partner with you, and he'll do what you can't do to bring it to pass. He will do it. He will act. Isn't that encouraging? So as you've already heard from what Leanne has said, and I've suggested that God can be involved in every area of your life and we can make our testimony those words, Jesus led me. In our career path, he has led us. I had some options at a certain point while we were still in Sioux Falls working with the church. And uh, I had to make a decision. We had a call to go to a church in Kansas, Norton, Kansas. We had visited there a year earlier in ministry. Interesting. A Christian construction company, Golden Rule, asked me to join their team. I don't know. I had an interest in architecture. I took as much as I could in high school about two and a half years, and I was offered a job with Edgar and Scudder's Steel Company in their drafting department, of all things. And we had a visiting evangelist from South Africa, and our pastor knew somewhat of, of the dilemma, of the choice that I had to make. I had three different things, three different directions, literally. And... Um, He brought me to the office and we talked a little while and the man prayed and said, do the thing that's at hand. And I said, well, that doesn't help me very much as I spoke (laughs) to myself because I've got three things at hand. Well, how does that decide the matter? And I began to realize that you don't take the first option that comes along, that God gives you a choice as you surrender it to him. But then I did think back later. I had met Dr. Russell Maid in Indianapolis, Indiana, at a convention. And at that time, our pastor was thinking of moving to California. And at that convention, he found a man who succeeded him as pastor. And at that convention, I met Dr. Russell Mead. We had lunch together. And I met him again at a fellowship meeting He had driven, as well as we, through a snowstorm to get to Montevideo, Minnesota. And the whole thing worked out in such a way that he said, well, if you'd like to come, join us on staff at Chicago Bible College, you're welcome to come. So it was kind of up to us to decide what to do. 
but I'm so glad that we did. Not only the career path, not only the marriage, but your life work, in our case ministry. It has been a most unusual journey. I am not one that takes strong personal initiative to do something. I just have to have the peace of God in it. I don't have the courage to step out on my own. I guess I don't have that much confidence in myself. It's got to be God or uh, I'm not sure enough about it to step out and do those kinds of things. Like when we took five ministry trips in five years, none before and never since. One of them, I went to Sweden and my grandfather was born in Sweden, a little fishing village on the North Sea called Viken. I wanted to visit that place. And on that trip, it didn't work out. I tried to make it happen. I got a hold of the train schedule after those that week of meetings going back to Stockholm. I thought I could take a train that would bring me down to, oh, I've forgotten the seacoast town. Then maybe I could get a bus the six Swedish miles up to Viken. Uh, and I'd have to do that at night and then get back and um, somehow get another train off to Stockholm where we would meet and take our plane back. I was working at that in my head, trying to plan it all out. Even got, I even got a Swedish-English dictionary and tried to come up with the Swedish words that I would need to buy the ticket. But no peace. So I stayed with our team. We went back to Stockholm. I never did visit my grandfather's home, the place he was born. But the next year, I was asked to go back, this time with a group. They took the ferry across from Finland, landed at Helsingborg, and they took a VW minivan, all piled into it, and headed north. Where do you suppose they went? Right through Viken. While they were getting something to eat, I said, could I just take a little time and run up onto the town and get a few pictures? Picture of the big windmill grinding the grain. I found my grandfather's house. I went down to the seafront and found the wharf where he went out as a fisherman. Got back about the time they were ready to leave. I did not have to go one mile out of the way. There was no anxious thought about it. It was God's provision along the way. Is that okay, people? God does those kinds of things. Well, concluding, I, along with my wife, served about five different churches in interim capacity, that is, between pastors, from a period of time like six months minimum up to two years, And again, five churches in five years. And God arranged all of that, helping those churches find succeeding pastors. With a schedule that was so tight, I often say, it squeaked. We barely got finished with one, and we were on the road to the next, and sometimes we didn't even have a Sunday between. God can be a conservation agent, you know. He can conserve our time and efforts. And then other times he just lets us rest. And we've had time to do that these last several years in Northwest Iowa. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to your word. With the prerequisites and the provisions, you have a promise that we can rest in and rely upon. We want to acknowledge you as a God of great love for us, all-powerful, all-knowing, worthy of our trust, to give to you fully all the potential of our lives so that you may draw it out for our good and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said amen. Amen. The testimony that we want to share with you in song sums it all up.
a John Peterson song that was written about a generation ago, Jesus led me all the way. Someday life's journeys will be o'er And I shall reach that distant shore I'll sing while entering heaven's door Jesus led me all the Tonight, and I keep having these words that were. 